I know you are someone who cares for Kevin. You are not evil to me. You were necessary. Dennis, is that you? They keep calling us the Horde. The others, you know. Miss Patricia and I, we are ridiculed. Now, we're not perfect, but we don't deserve to be ridiculed. Trent, um, how about the, I, I have a proposition. Are we on the record yet? No, we're on the record. We're on the record. Um, I'm going to just quickly say what I ate. And you're going to quickly say what you ate most recently. In the and then we're going to work. Time. Yeah, in the interest of time. And then we're going to work something out. Okay, we, I think we need to tell the people. With what, that we have beef? That we have beef and that, that this beef has gone unresolved. <coughs> um, All right, fine. What'd you have? Um, we were, we've had pasta a bunch of times in the past few days. So we had a bunch of leftover ingredients and we had this like thing that was like, chicken sausage and uh, uh pepper and um mushroom and rice and it's pretty good but you trent uh i had a ply ball while coming home from my science elective class because i felt like i hadn't eaten anything even vaguely nutritious in uh 48 hours or so except for my morning adult multivitamin which parth says probably isn't doing much but also can't hurt i did say that so you want to do our couples therapy now? Yeah. Do you mind if I explain, or do you think you'd be better suited? No, I think you're. I think you're plenty prepared to give your side of the story. <laughs> oh, okay. Side of the, no, that's cool. Um, so Are you basically, the prosecution or the defense? Trent, the, we're equal partners in this. Okay. Basically, what happened is Trent had a thing to film for one of his classes, and he required actors. And he asked a bunch of people, and he didn't even ask me to act in it. I don't want to say I was hurt by this, but I was, I was, I was really hurt. But I wasn't actually that hurt. But I played it up um, so much so. Yeah, before we started recording, that I genuinely thought you were mad at me, and then you said. I'll do, you said, and I quote, I'll do anything for the pod. We can record even though I'm mad at you. Uh, no, that's not what I said. That was the essence of what you no, said. No, and then, said. And then I was like, Parth, this is weird. I don't want to record if you're actively <laughs> upset with me. And then I was just flabbergasted. I, I was just blankly staring at you. No, so, I, so I mean, basically. It, it would be fair to say that you got me, but I don't know. It, you gaslit me in another in other terms. <laughs> so... So basically what happened was I was just like, no, 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 that's fine. It's fine. You know how I'm sarcastic sometimes, but I, I like to play the line of people not knowing where the joke is or where, where it ends, I guess. And at a certain point, Trent was starting to get uncomfortable and he was like, wait, Parth, are you like legit mad at me? And I was just like, no, no, it's fine. Well, look, dude, let's just start the show. It's fine. And he was like, well, I don't want to start the show if you're mad at me. We're not recording if you're if you're mad. And I said, I'm not going to be mad on air. I'll do anything for I'll the do pod. anything for the pod. We're really in a standoff. 
it's now it's really in question of I sound fine right now. Obviously, I'm saying this whole thing is a joke, but am I saying this whole thing is a joke because we're on air? Yeah, I have no idea what's going to come after we do this little intro-outro session. You you could divorce me, but I'll, yeah. I'll, off the record. So what would happen to the show? If we got divorced? I mean, we haven't tied the knot yet. We're only engaged, right? True, true. This has been a long engagement. Mm-hmm. It, it's sort of like a Pam and Roy thing. Who's the <laughs> who's the gym in this scenario? Who's gonna come and like swoop one of us away? It's it's probably gonna be it's probably you and Jackson. Oh, and then we'll start a competing pod. But then in probably. season seven, we'll come to like your wedding, and you'll have a really good pod with someone else. You know, like mm. season seven, episode two, Roy's wedding. Wow, you really I, remembered that. I hate to be that guy, but here we are. I'm a fan of The Office as well. Yeah, uh, there was a time in my life where I was like, it's popular, so I hate it. But then I was like, wait, why are things popular? It's because they're really good. It's pretty good. Therefore, a lot of people like it, and therefore it's likable. And I like likable things. (sighs) Look, I'm going to be fully, I'm going to be straight with you. This was all a bit. I'm not mad at you, Trent. That's refreshing. But I will say, we are on air. It was weird because you don't really like acting. And I know I had a bunch of film students, you know, it, you know, per- performing for me. But I, In I, Italian I, accents, no less. Do your Italian accent. I mean, make make your case. Was it Italian mobster or Italian accent? Do the, it's like, the, it's New Jersey Italian is what we were all doing. So you could try to do that. Hey, boss, I got a body in the back, you know? Little, mm-hmm. I could have. I this could have been in your movie. You could have had this in your movie. Is all that's all I'm saying. Anyways, Trent is uncomfortable enough. I think we need to move in to yeah the intro. To, I I don't think Trent can take much more of this. No, let's just like all like like this is pretty. This is I'm like this, really like shocked that I've gotten Trent this uncomfortable. So so flustered for the first time. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's fucking go. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week, Trent, my friend that I'm not mad at. Ayo, glad we cleared that up. Who do we have? Uh, This is our big split episode, and we had the costume supervisor, Rita Squatiri. Not only was she a really nice lady with a lot of insight, but boy did she supervise those costumes. She sure did. And this kicks off our Halloween month. Yes. The uh, first episode. It's October. Well, it's going to be October. It's not October yet. This is a little early introduction. Oh, right. um, but thematically speaking, October has a holiday in it, famously known as Halloween. And Halloween has a sort of connotation that likes like scary and like spooky and like weird sort of things. And so we just took inspiration from that and like made a three episode uh, special month block for you kids yeah. at home. Six episode. Oh shit, yeah, three films though. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Karita Squatiri, she was super, super cool, um, gave a lot of information, talks about M. Night, his process, how he, how he was on set, 
Uh, didn't she talk a little bit about Mayor of Easttown? Yes. Just, like shopping for Kate Winslet's clothes? Yes. Yeah, just a, a cool interview all around. I feel like this is a uh, flaming hot start to the Halloween month. Yes. I mean, but we've also have some other big things planned. Trent, Trent, Trent. I know we've announced the slate, so we don't have too many tricks up our sleeves. Let's 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 take it let's take it slowly, shall we? Oh, okay. Oh, so you just wanna get into this bad boy? Yeah, let's just get into this bad boy. Uh, um Is it a long one? It's like half an hour. Okay. I think it's it's a good time. Alright, so uh we'll see you on the other side. Yeah, stick around. Uh Parth and I do a little chit chat at the end. And, a little bit um, more therapy. Yeah, and so uh, stick around for that. Who knows if Parth will be mad at me by that stage of the show. He's been pretty unpredictable recently. Maybe Trent will be mad at me. Yeah, no, <laughs> that he's, is he's, certainly possible. Uh, he's like the Joker. When you when you, when you you zig, he zags, you know? Parth, uh, I think it should be a thing that at least one Joker clip has to get edited into every, into every episode. Mm, mm. Our, our description for our last episode was... Parth and Trent managed to only talk about the Joker twice in this episode that has nothing to do with the Joker, which I think could be the summary for the show. Uh, for yeah, for the for, for the pod. I don't know what it says about us that we're two film students that run a podcast that constantly talk about the Joker from The Dark Knight, but um, surely it can't mean anything good. It's a red flag for sure. Yeah, I mean that's like red flag upon red flag upon red flag, but that's fine. Yeah, that's but fine. if you're a big company and you want to sponsor us. Uh, we can only talk about the Joker once. We can really once per episode. We can really tone it down. If you're willing to pay us money, pretty please. Yeah, we'll we'll only we'll only talk about the Joker once, and uh, we're men of our words. Everything, See what I did there? Everything burns, Parth. But you know what was firing hot? This interview. This interview. Yeah. Yeah. Brought it back around. I'm just a dog chasing cars. All right, cue the fucking sound. What do we use? Uh, film projector, right? That's what we do? Yeah, yep, uh-huh. Cue, cue the film projector. And here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our interview with Rita Squitieri. She's worked on such films as Creed, Glass, 21 Bridges, and was also the costume supervisor for our film for today, M. Night Shyamalan's Split. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, so uh, just uh, as a first question, uh, what was your relationship with film from a young age? Oh, gosh. I think when I was like five or six, I always wanted to be either a uh, like a fashion designer or an actress. And then I decided to marry the two and become, do costumes. So it was like costume design, that's it. So, you know, I grew up loving things like Star Wars and like all the big sci-fi movies and period movies. And, you know, I think one of my guilty pleasures is uh favorite movies was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves in the nineties. Cause mm. I, I, you know, I grew up then and I was like, Oh, I love this like period type film where you can see the textures in the costumes. So, I kind of always knew what I wanted to do. So I got real excited when, you know, I got the chance to start working in film. With that being said, how did you find yourself on set for the first time? And what were you doing in uh, in the costume department, I presume? Yeah, so my journey was that, you know, I went to school for fashion in Philadelphia. 
you know, that's kind of the area we're going to be talking about with this film because it takes place there. So I'm mm-hmm. from the area. Um, and after that, I ended up designing like dance recital costumes, stuff like that. So it really wasn't exactly what I wanted to do. Um, but I went back to school at Temple University in the theater department for costume design. So I started in the theater department, kind of did some shows outside when I graduated there. But I'm trying to think of what the first job was. The first production assistant in the wardrobe department was on a film called Paranoia with uh, Harrison Ford. Liam oh, yeah. Ford. I remember that movie. Yeah, Gary Oldman. Yeah. And then quickly I got into the union. So that was the first job I was also a set costumer on because we had a little hiatus there. Liam Hemsworth went to film some movie called Hunger Games, <laughs> you know, and then came back and we finished that film. So that was filmed also in Philadelphia, the paranoia. So that's where I kind of started and uh, quickly got into costuming um, on set and then moved up to being a wardrobe supervisor on Creed. Creed was mm. the first film that I wardrobe supervised. So oh, wow. it was um, a big one. Yeah, I have a quick question just about the union. I'm, I know that there's like unions for like each different department. Yeah. And so there's probably a costuming union. And so I guess how do you get into it? And I guess what are the immediate benefits? Yeah, it's different depending on which area you live in. Um, like New York and LA have specific unions for costuming. And mm-hmm. Philadelphia is uh, kind of unique because the union that I got into is also the one that includes the grip, the electric, the property department, even um, our craft services are included in there. So that, and that's based out of New York. It is a New York based union, but it represents some of the people here in Philadelphia as well. And then uh, later I got into the design union, which is the United Scenic Artists. And that's um, kind of East Coast mostly. Um, and that's for design specifically. And the benefits are, you know, you get to work course on union projects where you know you want to get the opportunity otherwise and just you know with the pay and they keep the you know things moving that you're going to get represented well and you know otherwise if you're working on indie projects all the time it's kind of difficult i know some people that do that too you know and it's a good Mm -hmm. lifestyle as well but i think the opportunities just don't go as far uh when you went to fashion school was that always with the intent of using those skills for movies or was it was it just you were interested in clothes and then that ended up being applicable it kind of always was my intention i think we did like a sophomore year review where they're like what do you want to do and a lot of people are like i want to start my own fashion line and i was like I want to make, you know, period costumes and films. And they were like, oh, okay, cool. You know what you're doing. You're good. So yeah, that was my personal attention. Most, most people, you know, like to stick with fashion later, but I had a couple girlfriends that also did the same thing. So within the costume department, the supervisor is someplace below costume designer in the hierarchy. So can you explain the responsibilities of the costume supervisor? Yes, absolutely. I'll kind of give you the breakdown of the whole department because Great. Please. a lot of people don't completely understand it. So um, you have the costume designer and you have the assistant designer and they generally will be in the design union. And then you have a wardrobe supervisor. It'll be kind of based on more of the costuming union. And the wardrobe supervisor oversees all of the costumers underneath. Those are the people on set doing the day-to-day work. They're kind of also behind the scenes prepping things kind of like you know also you have day work people that'll kind of do a turnover of laundry sometimes or you'll have agers and dyers that's another job people that distress the clothes um and the stitchers and the tailors so the wardrobe supervisor 
kind of oversees the labor in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. And they work also with the designer and the assistant designer to make sure they're getting their things done on their schedule and tran it translates to what gets put on film. So you're taking that vision that they have and making sure that your crew can can make sure actually on the film it looks as it needs to be. Because mm -hmm. the designer, assistant designer aren't going to be there all day long watching what's being filmed. So right. that's kind of a small synopsis of what the wardrobe supervisor does. They do a lot of budgeting. Um, they do a lot of overseeing of labor, scheduling, maintenance, and just kind of keeping the department moving. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of facets to it. So like what for you, do you find the most difficult and maybe most rewarding? And if maybe those are the two same things. Yeah. I'm like the difficult and rewarding. I mean, I find it rewarding seeing the final product because, right. you know, as a supervisor, you're not on set either. You're trusting the crew that you give the tools to, to make sure it looks good. So you're, sometimes you're in, in a wardrobe truck the whole day, or you're in an office or something trying to make sure everybody can get their jobs done. So when I get to see dailies or get to see some things cut together, I'm like, oh, great, that that happened just as it needed to happen. And in a sense, that can be, yeah, that can be kind of difficult when you're like, you're a very hands-on person and you have to have that trust <laughs> that mm -hmm. everything's moving smoothly, but you hire the best people you know, and then you, then you trust them. I think, I guess also another difficult thing is making sure that you can foresee all the problems that might come up in the future. So you're kind of trying to troubleshoot, negotiate some things to say, hey, we need 10 people on this day to help us with this thing. And then the producer's like, why do you need 10 people? Then you kind of have to explain why you need those 10 people. And then they go, oh, okay, we didn't even know you needed that. But thank you for letting us know. So I think you're a communication tool between, you know, the production team, uh, the producers and your crew and making sure everybody's happy. I think you got to make mm -hmm. sure everybody's happy with my job. So is uh, like continuity under your umbrella? Like if, yeah. okay. So like if there, if there's like a shirt and it has to be like pre bloodied, are you yeah. the one making sure that like all 10 of the different shirts, cause you're going to need them have the same exact splatter or whatever that may yeah. be. Yeah. Basically. So the supervisor will again, work with, the set customers like uh, about that. I've been sometimes I've been the set customer and I've done all the painting myself. Of mm -hmm. like, I remember when we did the visit. There's a scene in there because um, I was actually a set customer on that for the two children in that film. And uh, something happens in the scene, like actually as it happens, and the blood sprayed. And I was like, great, we love it. Now we have to quickly film all the rest of them, and she gets more blood on her. But we need to have that shirt maintained with that level of blood. So I had three shirts lined up and I quickly like an artist painted it. I mean, you, you know, to right. match that. And um, so sometimes it's a supervisor, sometimes it's the customer, but it's the planning of it is to know that we need X many, you know, shirts or this many pair of pants that comes in from the supervisor. They've read the script. They've broken it down with split. That was something on the very first day that we, I worked, I believe was myself, the director, the AD, uh, and the assistant designer sat down together. I don't think the designer was in town, maybe just yet, but we went through and talked about the script days because most of this script takes place in a face where you don't see the sunlight. We don't really right. know how many days go by. Um, 
not that the characters necessarily change their clothes by day, but it's still important for us to know what the time gap is and, you know, different levels of when characters lose certain pieces of clothing. If the, the shirt is worn a different way, if it's opened or closed, that those things get maintained. So we keep a continuity book and we use online programs for that as well. I was going to say it's interesting, particularly for the reason that like the three main girls aren't changing their clothes really at all. And then James McAvoy's character is changing his clothes constantly. And with the, the amount of time, you're not sure whether it's like continuous or not. So it just, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting from a costume perspective uniquely. Yeah. And we also had a few moments where he changes his clothes for the character change. Cause he's got a uh, multiple personality, you know, you're just sitting there going, can he physically change his clothes that quick? Like, yeah. you got to go off screen and come back. So it's kind of like a quick change. I think there's even one moment where he comes back as Dennis and we chose to keep the shirt open because there's no way he would have been able to fasten his shirt, all the buttons to his shirt just like that and tuck it in. Right. So we yeah. made some choices um, with the director, the designer, supervisor, assistant designer, all of us together make these choices in AD weighs in every now and then you know we think logically it shows the seams though like makes everything feel more real that the quick change actually has like an appropriate timing to it you know yeah we tried our best i still feel like it looks like when it's all cut together in the end you're like oh i guess that is a little fast but you know you see the intention there Mm -hmm. uh so you brought up the visit which i think was your first m night movie and i wanted to I, i wanted to ask like how'd you i mean i guess you're from philly and he's notoriously always in philly but like how'd you get involved with him and then how did that lead into our main film split yeah so I don't even remember who first gave me the call about working on that. I think I found a listing and I probably applied for it. I don't know. And um, I had a brief phone call with the designer and I happened to be up in New York when she was uh, had time available. So I, I met with her. We had an interview. I think it was even at her house and she, she was, she was great. So um, she said, let's, let's hire her. So um, it was that was a small job as well. The costume department was only um, the designer, a supervisor, and two costumers. Very small department. And mm-hmm. as well as Split is. Um, and then I got to experience working with Knight on set for the visit, which was very a good experience to have. So I kind of knew his vibe. He's so playful on set, especially yeah, watching. We, we were going to ask you what, yeah. what he's like on set because he's, he's very playful. He gets a kick out of what's being filmed more than I've ever seen any other director. I mean, of course, he wrote it too. So it's like a child, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And all baby. of his stories that he write are like some scary bedtime story he'd write to his kids. You know what I mean? Like tell his children or something. So this, especially the visit, because, um, you know, he's also working with two kids on set. And I, I loved watching that because it was. It was like there were a bunch of three kids on set in a sense, but you know, he's still the authority and he still knows, you know, what he wants from everything. So um, I loved, I loved seeing, watching him direct. I felt like I kind of learned a few things. And I also think he directs slightly like a theater director in certain ways. I don't even really know how to explain it. It's just that he thinks about everything. Um, Theater, you people sit in the audience and they all, they watch and their eye can go anywhere they want. He is directing the eye, but he is thinking about a total experience too. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And the character development that he does with the actors. I mean, you even got to see him sit in the house on the visit and like 
direct the kids before the cameras were ever set up. You know, he takes the time to to go over things with them and develop the story then. So uh, I was just wondering uh, what, if you know, M, M. Night Shyamalan's like average like take length or like how many takes he might do with just uh, just as someone who's been on his set before. You know, I think it depends. Um, Sometimes I think it really depends on the actors in the moment. I feel like we've been like just short amount under 10 and then we might be to like mm-hmm. 23. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like we're we're in the middle somewhere there. No, no longer or shorter than anyone else. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just we have to ask because you know very definitively there's like the sub five people, the over ten people, and then the plus, and then the plus, 50 and then the people. David Finchers yeah. of the world. Yeah, no, he's not a, a plus ridiculous amount. I think that that only really I think I remember once maybe getting up to twenty three for some reason, and I I'm pretty sure it was on his film. But like I, again, he he's kind of average. Um, and when we're dealing with stuff with blood, like he knows at some point you only get so many takes, and he's also not a a bloody horror film person. Like he's got a suspenseful vibe. And anytime there's blood in a scene as a costume person, you're always prepared for like the worst. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, it's so minimal. It's just, it, and he loved it. And he thought it was like beautiful. in those few dots that get sprinkled along that costume or right on the face. And you're like, Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not that much. Um, and I love that about his style because it could be written even like you feel like it's going to be more and he's like, no, no, let's just do minimal. And it, it just grows in your brain. You know, you, you make it worse. In Split and in general, there aren't a lot of CG. There's not a lot of CG going on. It's mostly practical. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly practical. Um, trying to think in Split. I can't remember if they enhanced anything with the beast's body, but I know they did a lot of work makeup department on that. I can't be sure. I can't remember. Yeah, we we just watched it, and I, I, the only two things I thought were hit, like the veins on his body. I was either, I was like, that's either really good makeup or really good CGI. Yeah. And then him bending the bars at the end. I was like, those are either really soft bars or those are computer bars. You know, I think they probably had a, a like some sort of prop for that. I feel like I can't remember specifically, but I, most of the stuff we do is ends up being pretty practical. And our, his stunt double as well, um, James McAvoy's stunt double. James does a lot of stuff himself. He's physically fit. He's amazing. He also had a great stunt double, Zach Roberts, um, on Split and Glass, that does a lot of work f- as well in the film. And so I think so much was practical. Um, and I, the veins is the thing I'm like not positive on. I remember that they did do a really good makeup job, but it probably was slightly enhanced. Yeah. I, uh, so like on the visit, I mean, that's a really low budget movie. I mean, intentionally so. And split is or something. Yeah. And then like split is, I think it has a high, it has a higher budget, but it's not like, it's still a pretty low budget movie. Like so like one, it was somewhere probably around a 10 million, I think. Yeah. So, like, does that put extra pressure on you? Or, I mean, we interviewed somebody who said that, like, when you work on big movies, everybody's telling you you can't do stuff. But on a smaller movie, people are kind of like, okay, can we try to maybe see if we can do that? So is that has that been your experience? Not on his films. I think on other films, maybe. But um, I think we achieve, we were trying to achieve the best we possibly could. I'm sure mm-hmm. if there was something that you're like, well, this cost out of our budget and you present it you know you might be able to get it approved because it's for the the good of the film but it's like well how many different ways can we do this i know in the costume department in the beginning one of our concerns was um the james mcavoy's character when he becomes the beast 
he has to be running around barefoot the whole time. And we're like, how do we have him do all these things, run on the train yard? He's barefoot. Like he needs to look like that. So we explored a lot of options of building like silicone feet, um, what, you know, all these different things. In the end, we found a Vibram shoe that had that was like made out of hemp. It was a flesh tone mm. color. And I actually got like makeup and we were like painting them to look his skin tone. I remember even myself specifically like painting them um, the multiples of these shoes um, that gave him running ability. And they had the five toe, you know, thing. So mm-hmm. can, they look like bare feet. Um, and we carried that onto glass because we were like, those worked great if we needed them. Of course, when you're close up, you need to actually have your feet seen. But for the distance shots, you know, in the end, we said we don't need the really expensive thing that would take weeks to develop. We need or however long we will just solve it this way. And it worked perfectly. So with you then proceeding to work on Glass after Split, did it have anything to do with those two films being sort of like narr- narratively jointed or, or that they knew that they were going to use the same crew or, or was it just you got in good with the director and the surrounding crew and yeah. then it it was a natural transition it was kind of a natural transition um the producers that hired me John West and Mark Beanstalk they of course were happy to have me Back. They were like, we heard you supervise Creed, so let's have you come over do this. You're local. We'd rather hire local. And then it was like, okay, great. You, you know, they knew me from the visit, so like, let's have you move up and do that. And then now let's have you go over front to do the other film. And it was basically the same costume crew for both of them. Now I will say, when we started Split, it was a lot of fun because in the first week that we were prepping, like a binder with photos, like a little book got passed around the office and it had photos from invincible mm. and uh or in, what did i call unbreakable okay invincible is another film yeah. that filmed in philadelphia that everyone's worked on and that's different whole subject unbreakable so they it was all from unbreakable and it had pictures of like the crew back then and our assistant designer Teresa binder westby she was also on that film i think she was like pregnant in some of the photos so like She's like, I know how old that film is because my daughter's that old now, you know? So we had people, and I think our AD, John Rusk, um, some of the other, like there was like some grips, some camera department people that all carried over from Unbreakable and even earlier than that from The Sixth Sense. So you see loyalty amongst, and and now Knight is uh, got his TV show for Apple TV. That's yeah, Servant. Yeah, a lot of the same people uh, working on that, locations, um, and everything. Yeah. So it was an easy transition. I, I'm not working on servant. I ended up falling on a different uh, path at the time, but um, my, my husband's on servant, you know, oh. so <laughs> that is one awesome thing about the film industries and that we've learned through this podcast is that if like, you're nice and like, you're pretty good at your job, like you will be invited back. Yes. Yes. I think that's pretty good. Uh, you know, Everybody likes working together. Our department was the designer, Paco Delgado. Like I said, the assistant designer, Teresa Biner-Westby. Um, and then our key customer, Angie Ziegler, myself. And then we, we brought in a couple other people for production assistance and additional customers, Liza James, a few other people. And, and it was great to have um, 
people repeat and come back, you know, as a little group, a little unit. So I guess moving a little bit away from M. Night, even earlier in your career, I guess, but uh, you talked about joining Creed, and uh, I love that movie. Uh, So I was wondering if, you know, what was that like? Did you get to see Ryan Coogler and Michael B. Jordan? Yes, I did. And and they're both lovely. Um, Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, even Michael B. Jordan, when we came back for the second one, I came in mm-hmm. to the costume department, was ready to give us all hugs. And he's like, oh, man, I missed you guys, you know? So they're they're great. And um, the first one, I actually started as a key costumer for that. And that definition of the key costumer can be different on which coast of the country you're on. But quickly did the designer that uh, – came in Antoinette Messam she uh asked me to kind of like move up and the, the, the producer was like we can't find a wardrobe supervisor we think you would fit in really good doing that because you're kind of already doing the job like I was kind of doing some stuff for it and um so then I stepped up and Teresa who was on uh the assistant designer on uh split and glass was also the assistant designer for that so you can see you know there's certain legacy films that happen to be here there's other things like 21 Bridges not a legacy film that I worked on, but um, it's neat to see how Rocky had a lot of the same people that mm-hmm. moved on to Creed and same kind of vibe as M. Night Shyamalan's films. Yeah. So uh, nowadays, looking at your IMDb, you're working primarily or at least a lot as a full-blown costume designer. And we yeah. were wondering how that transition has been because you're kind of at the at the top of the food chain now on major motion pictures you're doing it all. Yeah, I love designing. Uh every once in a while I'll, I'll stop and do something else like uh do some wardrobe supervise, also doing some shopping like Mayor of Easttown filmed here yeah. recently and I shopped on that and that's fun because it's totally different hours. You're like in store hours and mm-hmm. you get to really help costume department in a different way. And designing is my favorite thing to do. So um I think, you know, the Nomads and the Virtuoso, they also filmed uh, not too long ago. Some of my favorite uh, films. I'm waiting out for another film I designed to come out called We Need to Talk, which is a really cute uh, little romantic story about a guy that, you know, is does like video games online and stuff. So it's very appropriate for, you know, people that have been stuck in their houses for last year. <laughs> yeah. With uh, Costume Buyer on Mayor of Easttown, um, are you... Uh, like, are you out in the stores, like, buying materials? Or are you out in, like, thrift sh- thrift stores trying to find, like, age-appropriate dresses? Or are you just, like, looking at a spreadsheet and buying X amount of white t-shirts? Like, speak on that. It could be a little of each of those things. It depends, you know? So when you first start developing the wardrobe for the film, you might be going out and buying bulk of certain things or styles of stuff. Like, we need like a bunch of clothes for people that go out to nightlife at this type of bar or something. So you develop a stock, but also you could be specifically buying for a certain scene. Like, you know, I think Kate Winslet's character goes to a wedding at some point. It's like, well, she needs a shoe to go with this specific dress. And like, these are the colors. This is the heel height. This is the shape. So it depends on what point in the show you are, what the designer needs. Uh, but it could be all of the above, and it can also be fabric and trims. I worked on a, a TV show for AMC 
called Dispatches from Elsewhere. And I think that was one of my favorite jobs so far. I was a shopper on it, but I got to do a lot more and help um, the design team a lot. And I got to shop for some vintage stuff. I did a lot of trips to New York to get fabrics because we built a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. And built just means you stitched it together from scratch and developed a pattern. Um, so that's kind of shopping I love. So we were wondering what you're working on currently. Uh, I think there's a movie called the independence that says that you're in pre-production in, that but actually, I don't know. That's not a, really a thing actually. <laughs> oh, that okay. one's like been on is something a friend has been developing for a long time and it hasn't happened. That happens a lot in the film world. I will say that someone's got an idea and they, they almost get it launched and then it just doesn't quite happen yet. But um, mm-hmm. we did create this sort of logo jersey for that and everything. We got it started, and then it's like funding falls apart and everything. But what I'm working on currently now would be a lot of um, a lot of commercial projects. Actually, uh, with COVID this past year, um, I sort of got back into doing smaller, like one offs. You know, um, mm-hmm. especially Mare was probably the last big thing I did, and then a smaller short film actually i call it a short film but it's like a 50 minute horror film for liquid death i don't know if you know that that water product it's it's um yes our company and they decided to make the most epic long i guess you call it film advert in a way but it's it's got a narrative story it's a horror film but it's from a a a product you know and that Mm -hmm. was a really neat thing i did with a company called neighborhood film company uh, just uh, a couple months ago. So, Trent, do you think it's time? So, our big Kahuna final question is: uh, What is the last great film you watched? Last great film I watched. Okay, hold on. I've been on vacation for a few weeks, so I'm sitting there thinking, like, what was the last? You 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 just talk about a movie like historically, or just something you rewatched, or just something you saw scrolling through the channels. Or like, what's a movie that's on a rainy day that you're like, this this makes me feel good? Yeah. Oh. I mean, all those movies that make me feel good are nothing, like, worth talking about because I think I watched, like, Practical Magic recently. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's it's those things from childhood that are, are your favorites. We've been doing a lot more watching of television, like Ted, Ted Lasso. And, oh, that's a great show. Yeah. So I, I think I fell asleep last night on the most recent episode by accident because we were wiped. But, um, but that's an amazing show and how it just brings joy into people's like lives. That one, we watch physical as well. Um, there's something on HBO, a white Lotus that we've been watching. Um, mm-hmm. It's been a lot of television. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's easier to do the one offs. Uh, historically, do you, I mean, at, outside of the COVID context, are you one to go to the movie theater or if you're more of a TV person, that's, that's cool too. We're just, we're just taking inventory. Yeah, no, I do like going to the movie theater. I can't remember the last time we've gone, though. Uh, we haven't since COVID, but we've been, you know, something drops on HBO Max. What have they they played recently on HBO Max? Because I know that they'll Suicide do- Squad. Yeah, stuff uh... like that. Like, we didn't end up watching Black Widow. Oh, you know what I liked a lot? Tell the um, Corella DeVille. They- oh. oh. Yeah. Corella. That yes. was an amazing... Um, version of that that was kind and of great like, costumes too costumes were amazing and of course i loved those but i was like this the storyline really gave her a great backstory it had a lot of heart to it i mean like to turn a villain into something that you can understand where the villain came from 
um, is pretty amazing, you know. And her whole plight was to become a fashion designer. So I'm yeah. sure there's some there's some level of connective tissue there. Yeah. And now they're making a sequel. Yeah. Really? Wait, is, Emma, is, is Emma Stone coming back? She's they, like she, the whole movie. She I think better. they've signed a deal. Cool. She's it. She really is it in that. And uh, so I, I was really pleased with that. I was a little skeptical going in. But ended up really happy. And even my husband was like, oh, geez, you know, this isn't normally my type of movie. I think he was like, oh, we got to watch clothes and, you know, something Disney related. And I, and he was like, oh, this is really great. Yeah, I, I also saw Cruella on a rainy day alone in the theater. And I was like, huh, I thought I was going to thought this was going to be a terrible kids movie. And I kind of enjoyed myself. Yeah, exactly. It was not meant just for kids. It had a lot for adults in there. And I'm not sure if all the kids would get everything anyway, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Rita Scrutieri, for coming on. Uh, she's worked on such films as Creed, Glass, 21 Bridges, and our film for today, M. Night Shyamalan Split. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to our interview with Rita Squatiri, and thank you to Rita Squatiri um, for coming for on the letting show. us interview you. Yeah, you were a great guest. Um, but Parth, uh, today we had a little debacle, a little social media—I wouldn't say incident, but uh, someone's waged war on someone. And just fill me in. Sure. So this this afternoon, I got a text. From Trent and just a little backstory previously we've said fuck team deacons because their podcast is basically the same thing as ours except with uh, you know much more knowledgeable highly intelligent people that are successful in the film industry says yeah sadly it has slightly higher tier guests so we thought and uh it may have come out a few and the whole show may have come out a few months before our show but that is just strictly a coincidence that's that yeah that has nothing to do with anything and we may have had a casual rivalry rivalry with them because people who have not responded to our emails or said no have appeared on their show and so we thought oh team deacons thinks they're better than us just because they have uh, renowned cinematographer Roger Deakins at the helm. Yeah. You think just because you're one of the greatest living cinematographers and Parthenai's personal idol that you can just treat us this way? And so then what happened today? Something happened this morning. Yes, so we often rag on Team Deakins for stealing our concept, which they used before us, but yeah. this this afternoon I get a text from Trent where he says, is is this a problem? And we find out that Alvin Kushler, who we interviewed for his work on Steve Jobs. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. Was interviewed on Team Deacons. So what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? It's almost like craft services equals Team Deacons. It's almost like craft services is greater than Team Deacons? Yeah, and so today, um, sadly, it's an Instagram story, so that's rather impermanent. But um, we declared war and said that the members of the Team Deacons pod have to come on our pod to explain themselves. Because until then, uh, I have malice and uh, fire in my soul. The same goes here, and I think that really the only way for this to be settled in a 
in an amicable and honest and mature way is for the people of Team Deacons to come here, give us an apology mm-hmm. for stealing our concept. And then we'll just conduct a lengthy interview. Yeah, and we'll just be like, yeah, okay, like since we got past that stuff, Roger Deacons, like, Let's what's it Shawshank. like being awesome? Yeah. yeah. And Roger, uh, let me just say, uh, thanks for listening to this episode, uh, especially to the end. Uh, it's, yeah. ho- hope you enjoyed Split. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, just watched Shawshank today. Great work. Mm, um, yeah. That helicopter shot. Mm. Uh, excellent. Uh, I'd love to have you on the show. Yeah. Oh, and also uh, hashtag fuck Team Deacons until you, yeah, yeah, until yeah. you come and uh, set the record straight. Yeah. Because until then, are you gonna listen? What are we doing here? Are you gonna listen to his episode with Alvin, or would that be like uh, Alvin, or would that be like cheating? I I don't know what to think right now, Trent. I'm in a I'm in a bit of a state of disbelief. I was gonna say I'm in an emotional tailspin over this. Yeah, yeah. All right. With that being, I have uh, to go punch the wall and lose my security deposit, but I can't do that on the air. That would just be unprofessional. Speaking of our uh, Instagram debacle, you should go follow our Instagram. You should go follow our Twitter. We're on social media. Thank you. You should go to Apple Podcasts, give us a positive rating, give us a good review. Yeah, five-star review, guys. Apple Podcasts, be there, be square. It really helps. And yeah, just subscribe to us, you know, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're there everywhere, guys. Come on. New episodes every Sunday. It's like going to church. It's the Lord's Day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Next week, we're going to be discussing Split. I'm like excited. Yeah. So am I. You guys wouldn't know this because, but we recorded a bunch of interviews in the summer, mm-hmm. um, and I've edited a bunch of these interviews over the summer. So Trent and I have not actually been seeing much of each other, uh, or as much as we're used to it. We also don't really have any classes. I'm feeling a little withdrawal symptoms. I know. I know. I, I haven't been sleeping right. Um, but yeah, so I'm excited to have a discussion with you, Trentster. Yeah, no guests necessary. They would just get in between us. Exactly. We need some one-on-one or one one versus one time. All right. Well, I think that's just about enough for now. Uh, join us for our split discussion next week. And join us for Halloween Horror Month, which starts inexplicably on September. Yeah, inexplicably. All right, goodbye. Bye, guys. Fuck Team Deacons. Hey, uh...